0: Thank you for joining me, Stephen.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So just to kick things off, how did you get your start writing poetry?
1: I kind of have a bizarre poetry origin story that I'd be happy to tell you. I went to kind of a a sketchy high school, and it was a little dangerous to go to the library. If, If someone saw you going into the library, it could be bad for you. But I would sneak in, and I would go to the poetry section, and I would find lines to use in my love letters, and specifically Naruto. Naruto was my favorite person. So I actually got my start in poetry through blatant theft of, uh, <laughs> of someone's, someone else's work. One of the times that I snuck into the library, there was a poster for a poetry contest that one of the librarians was hosting. And the prize was uh, a brand new iPad, or sorry, iPod, and and those had just come out. So this was a really big deal. I don't remember what I wrote about, but I do remember rhyming boulders and shoulders. Uh, It was probably a really terrible poem, but I ended up winning the contest because I was the only one in my entire school that submitted. That was my first sort of uh, poetry victory, my first poem and uh, I haven't looked back since.
0: And so, how did you make your way to Madison?
1: So, my partner and I were living in Austin, Texas for a couple years before this. Uh, I had just finished my Masters of Fine Arts in poetry. I moved to Austin, where she was finishing her Masters of Fine Arts in fiction. I mean, it was a great place to live for a little while. I got to teach poetry there, and I got to meet a bunch of great people. And kind of shot in the dark, I applied to a fellowship in Wisconsin through the Wisconsin Institute for Creative Writing, which is at UW-Madison. And I got in. And I actually did my MFA in the Midwest, and I never thought I would make it back here. So here I am. And I've kind of fallen in love with the city. I, I never thought I would just be a couple blocks from a gorgeous lake, and meet all the fantastic people here that I have.
0: And now you're Madison's new Poet Laureate. How does this process work? Were you nominated for the position?
1: I am, thank you. I just learned that last night, frankly, through uh, a voting process that took place at the Common Council, and I start on Monday the 15th. So there is a nomination process, and you can also apply to be the Poet Laureate. Someone forwarded me the application actually when it was past due. There was an extension that was happening and I was like, there is no way this is going to happen. I've been in Madison kind of a short time, but I am bringing a lot of experience with me. So I thought, you know, I like this place. I want to put roots down here. So let them tell me no which is a, a thing you have to do in poetry. is You have to let people tell you no. You can't let yourself tell you no. So I applied and I got the news when uh, the current sitting Madison Poet Laureate, Angie Trudel Vasquez, gave me a phone call.
0: That's so exciting. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I am, uh, I am still sort of processing it. I feel very lucky, very grateful.
0: Did you get any advice from our last poet laureate? What sort of work are you going to be doing moving forward?
1: Angie has already been so helpful helping me walk into this space definitely more gracefully than I might have on my own. She's full of wisdom, she's also an incredibly hard worker, and she has built a pair of (laughs) poetry shoes that I don't know if I will ever fit into myself. But she did give me a lot of advice about how to sort of pace myself and to learn to say no to things and to say yes to things I'm really excited about. I can't tell you everything that I plan to do as Poet Laureate because I learned that I was going to be Poet Laureate last night, but I do have some things planned. Most notably, I plan to return to work with one of my favorite populations as a creative writing teacher, which is incarcerated people. So I do plan to work more with the incarcerated community. Here in Wisconsin, I think that getting more poetry to them and getting more poetry out from the prison system for others to see is super important. And I think that if poetry is how we might imagine the world differently, this is a population that sort of needs that imagining the most. So I think that putting together an anthology would be a really great idea, an artifact that they could hold in their hands that represents their making, their imagining. That sort of would be the goal of my first year or two.
0: Yeah, it sounds like poetry was sort of like a a sanctuary for you as a young person. Is that the kind of energy that you want to bring to incarcerated folks in Wisconsin?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that I have learned so much about myself. If the writing process is Part of your subconscious, right? Tapping into part of your subconscious, then writing is a way that we can learn about ourselves and also, you know, better ourselves, understand how we're feeling and who we are, and also imagine ourselves in a different place, right? So it has always helped me. It has been a, a huge cornerstone of my mental health and progression going forward. And that is something that not only to incarcerated people, but to the citizens of Madison, I definitely want to impart that practice.
0: Focusing more specifically on your work, what are some themes that you generally write about?
1: So I primarily write poems about growing up and about my family. I write a lot of poems about my brother. My brother is slash was a heroin addict and he went missing in 2009. Writing about a missing person is a really strange thing because there's no evidence to process, right? You're literally writing about an absence with no proof. So it's definitely been a struggle. And I think that, again, that learning about myself and, and learning about my brother through the act of writing has been crucial for me persist even. I also write about my mother. My mother is terminally ill. These are my only two family members of my immediate family. So sort of like learning to process that grief beforehand, right? I, I write a lot of elegiac poems. that are all kind of pending. It's like processing the grief before grief.
0: Well, wow, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that, but I'm, I'm glad that your writing is helping you move forward. Is there any poetry that you'd like to share with us? One of your favorite poems that can maybe sort of point to these ideas that you've been discussing?
1: So I think this is a good poem to read because it was actually inspired. I I wrote it here upon my first year here. And it was inspired by, I don't know if you remember, there was this kind of a massive hailstorm that happened in Madison. I saw some hail as big as golf balls. And it was really an astonishing thing when nature proves itself to you. So it sort of just shook me up. This is a poem called Ars Poetica with Passing Hailstorm. The ceiling is a woman buried upside down. Let me start again. In Maywood, California, there's a library that's important to me. It's many ceiling lights in different glass breasts pointing down at their readers. Each nipple a gathering of dead moths. At the hospital, I hear a nurse call cancer the big casino, as in, the house always wins. A house is a many-sided die, always rolling on its spine. I spent my teenage years watching a good mother lose her breasts, her hair. She screamed in the shower. She screamed in the mirror. Each drain wreathed with death's jet-black wig. There was no Sesame Street episode for this lesson. The first time you see a man's hand up cookie monsters, your childhood dies a little. Every day, I wait under passing clouds, feverish and eager to see a flash of skin. Something hairy and flesh-colored to point my pitchfork at. After that last hailstorm, the front yard looked like a fancy party where the guests lost all their pearls. Watch me busy myself with finishing line. String each bead of ice together. Let me start again. This is a gift quickly melting in my hands. So this was my first shot at an Ars Poetica. An Ars Poetica is a form of poem that is about poetry, and Ars Poeticas are really difficult, right? And some people even say that you shouldn't write them until you've been writing poetry for 50, 60 years, right? But when you are really close to death in your life, it can kind of make every poem feel very urgent, feel like an Ars Poetica. So it's something that I've really resisted, to write a poem about poetry and this was my first real shot at it. So the poem does talk about primarily my mother and her sickness and the devastation that is cancer and it casts a shadow much bigger than itself, right? So it's obviously about that shadow growing up, but also about poetry and specifically that connection to her life being this gift, right? This gift of a pearl necklace that I am making. And as I am making it, it is melting in my hands. So this poem does feel very urgent to me. It feels like it's a poem that knows that death must come and, and life must end. But the creating the making really never stops.
0: So I'm curious too. are there any particular poets or writers in general that have been an inspiration for you?
1: Oh, wow. Yes. The list is is very long. I owe so much of my poetry to reading. I mean, truly, there is no way to become a better writer than to become a, a better reader. So I think that Natalie Diaz is probably my favorite poet. I think that Matt Rasmussen is a close second. Natalie Diaz's book, When My Brother Was an Aztec, is primarily about her, her brother's struggle with addiction and how it impacted the family. And Matt Rasmussen's book, Black Aperture, which is sort of underrated. It flies under the radar a lot. And I think that everyone should read it. It is about his brother and the loss of his brother at a young age. And I think that if both of those books sort of like had this love child, I think that it would result in, in work similar to mine.
0: So you mentioned the importance of reading. Where can folks find more of your poetry? Do you have a website or social media you'd like to plug?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I do have a website. If you just search my name, Stephen Dawson, it's one of the first links that comes up. And I don't really have social media, but I do have a, a Twitter. And I say that because it's unfortunate and most people shouldn't have a Twitter. <laughs> so
0: Before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, either about your new position, about poetry in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is something that I said at the Common Council last night, but I think that I, I think that part of what gave me this position is the things that, that you can quantify. What, what qualified me for this position are things that you can quantify, these uh, awards and publications and things like that, and teaching experience, et cetera. But I have to say that I know what it's like to be an underdog. And that underdog community is who I intend to help most as Poet Laureate. Uh, And I I think that's what qualifies me most for this position. And I I can't tell you enough about how excited I am.
0: Thank you again for agreeing to speak with me, Stephen.
1: All right. Thank you, Faye. Thank you, W-O-R-T.
0: That was Stephen Espada Dawson, Madison's new Poet Laureate. The Common Council approved him for the job in last night's meeting. Stephen says that poetry has been an outlet for him to process grief. Now, as poet laureate, he says that he hopes to use his writing experience to support incarcerated folks in Wisconsin and potentially help them create an anthology.